How do you stop striving and start thriving when you are relentlessly bombarded with negative thoughts? What do you do when negativity is the fuel driving you to find success? The unkind voices that push you to try and prove your worth may look like they are helping you reach your goals. But what happens when you hit your breaking point? I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening, Season 2. Seriously, I'm thrilled to be back with some incredible women. The lineup is stellar. I'm over the moon and grateful for these women to share their stories and provide strategies to you that you can apply to your everyday life and beyond. Let me give you a bit of an update since we ended. Speak Kindly, You're Listening, the book became bestseller on Amazon, and I want to say thank you so much. If you got the book, I would love it and appreciate it if you could leave a comment on Amazon. And if you haven't bought the book, there's still time. It breaks down all things related to your inner voice and shares the connections between imposter syndrome, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and burnout. I also ran my first book club associated with the book back in January, and it was a hit. I'll likely be doing it again next year, so keep your ears and eyes open for that. Now, let's get into it. With me today is Claire Booth author of The Achiever Fever Cure, How I Learned to Stop Striving Myself Crazy, a burnout survivor and founder slash owner of Lux Insights, a market research company based in Vancouver, BC. She is an inquiry-based coach and lives on a fully wired sailboat on and around Vancouver Island. On today's episode, Claire and I talk about differentiating between the inner voices telling you who you really are and who the inner gremlin is telling you to be. We'll talk about the freedom waiting for you once you step out and change how you allow your inner voices to speak to you. Here we go. Claire, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm really excited. From one fellow author to another, I really dove in and ate every word of your book and I so appreciate it. And so we're going to touch on a little bit of that today. But before we even get started, I'm going to just jump in with those questions. When that negative internal voice, that inner voice, that inner gremlin, whichever you decide to call it, what were those words that it spoke to you really early on when you started your own business? So spoke would be too gentle a verb. Mm. It was more like what the voice bombard me with. Ooh. And it was so loud that I don't think I could even necessarily break out the words that it was saying to me. It was just like this cacophony of negativity and fear and anxiety. And it would say things like, you're not doing this fast enough. You know, you're playing a role here. This is not really you. You're just, you know, making this up. You have no idea what you're doing. And looking back, like, yeah, that that was kind of the case. But it was one of those, you know, you learn as you go. I just remember it being so deafening that I wasn't really clear that it was just a voice. I just thought it was me. I just thought, oh, well, this is the person that I am. And this voice is so loud and so aggressive. It obviously is pushing me to do this. And the negativity that it's using, I guess, is its way of like Protestant work ethic, do your absolute damnedest. Like i believed in its intent to make me succeed. It was just such an unkind voice. When you heard it or even just stewed in it, because I do agree with you at times, I sometimes I can't even 
piece together the actual words, especially early on, it was more so that feeling that it created inside of me and how it just, it really pulled me down and it really just berated me at times. And again, that feeling, oh, I even just got chills right now because I can go back to that feeling automatically. Oh yeah, I can bring it up like in a heartbeat. In fact, it's always, it's always kind of there because it's a little piece. Mm-hmm. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I guess back in the day, I, I couldn't see it. I just thought it was me. What allowed you to start to make that separation between who you are versus that voice? I guess it got to the point where it was so loud and so aggressive that I had no choice but to just kind of say, I can't, <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. It's just, it's too much. I'm going to wind up in the hospital. Like I'm going to wind up dead. You know, like it was so intense. I can't do this anymore. And so, you know, it's it's like that when you call the teacher appears. And I was a climber back then. And my climbing coach was doing coaching with, um, you know, just people. And I was overhearing him talk about this transformation program that he was doing. And I guess a part of me heard that and perked up and thought like, ah, maybe maybe there's a different way to do this. So it really was like a come to Jesus moment. I, I can't live my life like this anymore. I can't live with the insomnia, the depression, the anxiety. It's too much. And, and it was such a disconnect between people saying to me, like, you're doing such a great job. You're building your business. You know, like you're doing so well. And I just like in one ear out the other, I, nothing landed. So yeah, it was just one of those like, no, <laughs> hard pass on this. It's it's fascinating because a lot of people that I talk to, whether it's changing something due to burnout or changing your inner voice or something just no longer is working, it's almost as if we have to get to that breaking point where it isn't helping us anymore. It isn't functional. I'm not doing well. And so when we step into that part and then we slowly start to make those changes, especially as that high achiever, we expect things to happen fast and that turnover to happen really fast. So we learn something. It's okay, I can apply this and I should be better. So in that transformation, in that process of you starting to make changes, how did you accept that this was going to take time to be able to make that change? Well, it's funny, before you and I started talking about this, we were talking about that letter that that you encourage people you work with to write to themselves. And so... I remember writing that letter because this coach that I said, okay, yeah, let's, let's try this program, which I was really hesitant around. Like I hated the word coach. I, I just couldn't bear to see myself as like, okay, now I have a coach, meaning like I can't handle this. And I remember in that letter thinking, okay, I'm signing on for a one-year program. Like it's going to, I'll give this a year. But if I'm not a completely different person by the end of the year, then this will have just completely failed. So I went into the coaching part, looking back, like unbelievably aggressively as well, which makes sense, right? When I'm propelled by that voice, it's going to apply to all things. I remember the big moment of change was when I was climbing and like I yelled out loud or I swore or something. And my coach, I remember he said something like, okay, let's just stop for a second what's happening right now. And I remember saying, there's this voice in my head that just drives me and it's so mean to me. And it's, it just all came out. Like I wasn't even, didn't even feel like I was present. It just kind of fell out of my mouth. And that was when he said, oh, okay. I see what's going on here. 
this is, you know, this is your gremlin. This is your voice in your head. This is, you know, this thing that we all have. And I remember being absolutely floored, like couldn't breathe because I was so sure that it was just me. Like I was so sure it was just me who had this aggressive, nasty voice. And when he said kind of laughingly, like, yeah, we all have this. I have this. We all have this. I was like, what? What? No. That, and that was like huge. That was huge for me that moment. And, and you know, that to me, that's like reason enough to write the book was, you know, if I'm walking around thinking this is just me thinking like this, like how many other people are walking around thinking this is just me with this nasty voice? Like, no, every single one of us has it. Every single one. it's oh my goodness that and it's fascinating because you said as soon as you see that voice it's hard to unsee it you can't unsee it you can pretend you can pretend right you can tell yourself like oh yeah i've magicked it away it's gone yeah i'm nothing but kind to myself now yeah that's i don't believe that for a second but you can manage it you can manage it. And I think that that's the key when we start to process and start to hear it and recognize it. And we automatically think that once we hear it the once that it's like, oh, I can catch it now or oh, it's going to be better next time. I won't do it again. Yeah. Oh, I've got this. I know the secret. Right? And I can change everything. <laughs> and it's and it's so fascinating because there are still, even after the years of processing and knowing and changing every once in a while, it still sneaks up on me. And sometimes without even knowing. and But now that I can see it for what it is, that's when it gives me the opportunity to slowly start to say, okay, nope, I hear you. I see you. Thank you. But <laughs> it's, it's time to hear that different voice. So for yourself, when was the last time would you say that you have heard it? I would say probably 2 p.m. yesterday. Okay. <laughs> yes. and, and the day before that, maybe 10.30. And the day before that, between one and six, you know, fairly incessantly. Oh yeah, it's we can't we can't just like delete it. I saw a documentary recently, um, the Jonah Hill documentary on Netflix, Guts, and the way that they talk about the the shadow self, right? Which is the voice, which is the imposter, which is the you know, give it a thousand different names. And there's different nuances to it as well. But I really like the way that they described it. Like it's there for a reason. It can be helpful. It's, you know, that thing that you kind of rub against, that that sharp thing that you rub against to kind of grind yourself into the diamond that is within. But it's just all part of that self-awareness process. And it's part of what makes us human. Like we can't just delete it. So we have to work with it. And, and as you said, a lot of thanking it, you know, because it's really just there to, to protect us. It thinks it's protecting us. So you have to kind of give it a little hug, like, oh, dude, I see what you're doing here. But it's also very easy to just go down that rabbit hole of, of not being able to hear any other voice because it, it can be so loud. And decades of habit and patterning can really silence those other voices, even when you're very much aware that they exist. Each day, I have to remind myself every morning, you know, yeah, I'm going to hear this voice today, but it's not me. It's not all there is. It's just a part. 
I think that that is the key is when we start to make those changes and processes and know that this is no longer working for us, that it's not just a flick of a switch that all of a sudden we go to, oh, it's done. It's never going to come up again. And when we give ourselves the patience and the self-compassion around it, and then when it does come up, we can recognize it, say, okay, not now. And I want to go back to that letter. So when we describe this letter, the letter is something that you write to yourself in the first person as if you're in the future and you're thanking yourself. And the way that I do it with my clients is I actually take the letter from them and then a year later, I mail it back to them. So then it's out of sight, out of mind and you're not even worrying about that letter. (laughs) So for you, when you wrote that letter and you then read... Because that was one of those pivotal moments in your book as well is going back to that letter and opening it and reading it to yourself. And I remember the dinner that you had that you wrote about with your partner and your coach as well. And so talk about... Because we do... The same thing happens when it comes to holidays or birthdays. We put an enormous amount of pressure around that time around opening up things that are happening and the expectations that we're going to have at that moment in time. Can you describe from when you wrote the letter to when you opened it a year later and what that felt like for you? Yeah. So the the writing of it came so naturally to me because I was just channeling this voice that had been there for so long. I didn't have to, you know, write a couple of sentences and stop and think about it. It was just like vomiting it out. And part of that letter was also uh, like, look at you now. Like, look how far you've come. You used to think this, but now look at this. You used to say this. Now you couldn't dream of saying this. What blew me away when I finally read the letter, and I can feel myself getting emotional thinking about this, was that kind of, you know, Dorothy in Kansas thing. Like, you knew it all along. Like, this this beauty, this gorgeous light inside you. Like, you knew all this right from the beginning. But it was such, it was so quiet that it just got drowned out. I remember taking that letter, sticking it in my underwear drawer. And I had this weird agenda for that. It was, or this plan, it was like, okay, I don't want to see this. So I'll hide it underneath my underwear. But I want to be kind of reminded just so I know that there is, this is leading somewhere. So I'm going to stick it in my underwear drawer because I open that drawer every day. I'm not sure what that was about to this day. But I remember wanting to make that dinner really special when the time came to read it, like really special. And of course, you know, when, when, you, when you've got those big expectations and the hopes and there's my coach and there's my partner and there's my coach's wife. And I bought this amazing bottle of wine that I went down to California to get for him. And I remember he was like sick as a dog. He was just ill. And this was before COVID when we used to go over to people's houses feeling super ill and you'd walk in the door and you'd be like, I'm so sorry, I've got a terrible cold and the rest, oh, all right, come on in. Like, I can't believe we used to do that. But anyway, and so obviously it just kind of flattened the mood and I thought, nah, great. Well, let's see how this goes. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I, I better get around to doing this. Still in that kind of like dejected sort of feeling. I don't think I got through the first couple of sentences before I just lost it, like just sobbing and sobbing. And I have to kind of like catch my breath here for a second because 
what I had written was such truth. Like it was just truth and light and beauty and what I had wanted to see happen happened. But it wasn't like I personally did anything. It was like something was working in me the whole time. And it had been there the whole time. And all I did was get really conscious around like clearing that scaffolding away and clearing all that darkness away. That's, I think that's a lot of what happened over the year was just seeing things with new sets of eyes each day, like a new set of eyes and just seeing and seeing and seeing and seeing and seeing and reading that letter with this shock and awe of like, like, I knew all this back then. Like I knew all of this was possible and everything that I wanted to be a part of my life a year later was, and the, but there wasn't a sense of like, yeah, I did it. It worked. It wasn't like that at all. It was very much a, I feel like a very different person now. And it's not like, Oh, good. The year's ended. Yay. I'm done. It, it's more like, uh, okay, we're just, we're just starting on something here. This is the beginning of like a life's journey. And it, there was no stress around it. There was no, okay, I'll give it one more year. It was very much, uh, okay, I'm on, a, I'm on a different path now. And, and that was, I mean, that was 2018 or something. We're in 2023. And when I look back now and kind of see the breadcrumbs from back then to where I am now, it's just so different. I was on a path. I am on a path. And, and it's taken me in a totally different direction. Like, I think I was telling you earlier, like, we, my partner and I, we bought a sailboat. We, we, we live on a sailboat now for six or seven months of the year. And the other part of the year, we're traveling. We're, you know, doing the digital nomad thing. And a lot of my life now is, is just being as opposed to doing which I thought would be easy. And it's really, really not. <laughs> it's really, really not. But it's really the only thing I want to, for lack of a better word, do is be. First off, that the emotions that come through during that time and re-experiencing them, it's one of those moments where even though it wasn't that quote unquote perfect moment at that time, it clearly had such an impact. And I think that that's what we forget at times is especially for the high achiever perfectionist, it always has to be that next level and it's got to be wrapped in a bow. And if it's not wrapped in a bow and presented that way, then it's wrong or there's a mistake or it's failed. And that's not the journey. That's not life. That's not the path that each of us choose to be on because there's always going to be something that then comes up. It's just our perspective of how we choose to interpret when the shit hits the fan essentially at times and when even those moments in life where we recognize and we reflect that they may not come at the best times either, but it doesn't mean that it's any less valuable to our experience. So when you then recognize that, because that was a huge thing for me, what you just described where it's the year came, 
and it's not over. Yeah. <laughs> it's only beginning. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is what this is. This is who I get to be. This is where I now, the trajectory, it's completely changed. Now there's no more door standing in my way. Instead, I get to knock on every door that I want to step through essentially. And so when you recognize that and it started to open up, because I realized this is... Now we're stepping into full-on psychology, right? Where it's just the mind can change and we can start to change those patterns. So after that moment moving forward, so we're now five years later. And if you do a reflection moment, that inner voice that still comes up, is it challenging? I realized it came up yesterday at 2.30 p.m. and then the day before. But does it close the door on you anymore? It tries to. And if I'm feeling anything less than fully present, it can. And so part of what I do now is whenever I hear that voice, and usually it comes in the form of a thought, like a recurring thought. The, the one that, that comes up most often these days is you're wasting time. Who are you to just be? <laughs> right? Like you need, you need to do something. You need to do something. That's, that's what it says. And what I do now is I will write that thought down. And then this is based on a book by Richard Schwartz called No Bad Parts. I came to it through Byron Katie, through the inquiry school, which I write about in the book. And to this day is a huge part of my life. And what I can do now is take that thought and look at all the different voices in me that will respond to that thought in a different way. So I have like the nurturing one. I have the risk-taking one. I have the guide, you know, the one that can see below and above that negative thought. So I don't get pulled down that rabbit hole because I can see it for what it is. And as soon as I can get that perspective of realizing oh, this voice has this to say about that. And this voice has this to say about that. And this voice has this to say about that. It's like instantly, okay, all right, I'm good. And I don't, you know, as much as, much as I sometimes wish I didn't have to do this, you know, like it takes work, it's effort, it's painful, but there's no other way. Like it couldn't be any other way. That, that voice will still pop up. Sometimes it'll be quiet for weeks. Sometimes it'll be quiet for months. And then it just kind of gets on a roll sometimes. And I have to be very present and I have to do the writing and the work around it. And then it quietens down and all is well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I don't think people realize the importance of how it can show up to us. And that is one thing that I teach is around paying attention to when it starts to come up. So whether you notice you have a really bad sleep and then that voice starts to come up. Maybe for a woman, you're right before your period, right? And you have that hormonal shift and maybe that voice becomes louder because our emotions are a bit more heightened. For others, it could be when 
you've had something happen at work and then all of a sudden it's a domino effect that you don't even realize three, four or five days later, it then starts to kick in. So it's starting to pay attention to when it comes up and then being able to do that work. Because like yourself, I still have to do the work. As much as I know everything about this and I teach it now too, there are still definitely times where I have to look inwards and I have to say, okay, I got to sit with myself for a moment because with certain times, it is super easy to all of a sudden activate. I love how we all have different names for it. So it's the inner sage, it's the inner risk taker, right? We all have our different names for those other different voices that come up and it gives us the opportunity. Now for some things, it's like, oh, that's no brainer. Inner gremlin came up. Okay. Inner cheerleader gets on and says, okay, do this and I move on and that's it. But then there are those nuggets in time when you do have to spend the work. And I think that that's when we can get really angry at ourselves because of then, especially if it's a recurring thought that comes up, it's then saying to ourselves, well, I thought I worked through this already. Why is this coming up again? So what would you say to the person who has that recurring thought, like you said, and for certain individuals then says, oh my goodness, I can't believe this has come up again. What do I need to do? What would you say to them so they can build a little bit of self-compassion towards themselves? To me, the, the key word is forgiveness. So it's, you're right. It's so easy to get so frustrated and angry. Like, ah, here's this thought again. Like, didn't I deal with you? Why are you still here? I thought we dealt with this, but it it just comes up in a, in a different form. And so the key is recognizing when you hear it, not getting bogged down around like what triggered this and, and what's actually going on here. It doesn't really matter. There's no intellectual rhyme or reason to it. it. It's more just a recognition of like, oh, there it is. So catching it is critical. And then forgiving basically your mind, right? Forgiving all the different components that that allowed that to happen. It's like, okay, here it is again. And the recognition of the frustration and the anger that'll come up, forgiveness for that as well, because it's all part of the process. It could not happen any other way. We couldn't deal with this in any other way. And then taking that time. Even just to say to yourself, like the Byron Katie line, is this true? Is that true? What I'm hearing right now, is that true? And I can almost always, like 98% of the time, find a no, like an immediate no. And as soon as I can find that no, it's just this instant like (sighs) pressure's off. Doesn't mean it's gone away, but it's taken down significantly in terms of the pressure that I feel around it. So it's that catching it in the moment. Oh, this is some good stuff. <laughs> it really... it. I know the response that I've had from this podcast in regards to others being able to share and recognize that they're not alone in hearing what their voice is saying. I think that that's been the biggest response that I've had and from multiple different people across all different professions. So thank you so much for sharing that and recognizing and reminding us on a day-to-day basis that it is in fact a process and that there is no end point. So it's not a 30-day challenge, a 60-day challenge. Sure, you can have little tidbits that come up that if you wanted to do a brain training exercise or something, sure. But it's recognizing that this is it for the long haul and it's how you want to decide to speak to yourself. It really is. It's life work. 
I love it. I love it so much. And when we know that there's no end point, and then it gives us our, the opportunity to go through those ups and downs and say, okay, I'm going to test this out and trial this out and see what works. Now, Claire, I know you're in Mexico right now and you're working as a nomad and with your business and everything that's going on right now. So what do you have? Tell the audience, do you have anything coming down the pipeline that you would like to share with, uh, with the world and what's going on right now? No, I have absolutely nothing coming down the pipeline. I have no, I, I write every day, but it's not like there's no kind of intent towards writing a particular book. I have absolutely nothing going on except for checking in with my business every so often to make sure that my, my business partner's happy. And aside from that, no, I'm wandering around the streets of Mexico City and going to various museums and eating a lot of tacos and doing my, what I call my morning ritual, which is getting up early, early and reading whatever spiritual piece is speaking to me at that moment, doing my journaling, doing my writing, doing my, my exercise routine, my fitness which has now become like a meditative thing for me. So I've got nothing to pitch. Nothing. I love this because you just gave our audience the permission to say that I get to take care of me right now. So thank you for that. Thank you for ending it that way. For anyone else, all of Claire's information will be in our show notes and her book will be linked as well if you wanted to read Achiever Fever. <laughs> thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Claire's vulnerability was apparent and moments like the one where she describes the dinner with her coach can remain as core memories. A core memory is a concept from the Pixar movie Inside Out. It's not a real clinical concept, but a lot of people tend to use it nowadays. There are things that fuel the creation of defining life events and experiences, and that's what you can call a core memory. And you could clearly see that Claire's moments in time that stood out for giving her the opportunity to turn away from her inner gremlin and choose a different voice. The emotions that we attach to certain experiences make those experiences more prevalent in our memories. Even attaching other senses like smells and tastes can amplify memories as well. When we attach negative emotions because they are so strong at times, they tend to make us more aware. But that doesn't mean we can't shift the scale and outline other core memories with our inner cheerleader and not just our inner gremlin. Key takeaways from today. Number one, your inner voice can drive you to burnout. Yes, yes it can, which means it isn't necessarily one trip away or one goal achieved that is going to prevent burnout. It's intrinsic to you and you as a human being. You first have to listen to what self-talk you are using to figure out what is going on and then you get to change that narrative. Just because you've spoken to yourself one specific way for years, and maybe even decades, doesn't mean it has to stay like that. Number two, accepting your self-love journey is going to take time and allow yourself the grace for the transformation. Give it a place and space to happen. Don't just shove it aside or wish for something better. Build that self-compassion by unlocking what acceptance truly means to you. Every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. What does acceptance of your self-love journey look like to you? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? You see what I did there? You can create a core memory around acceptance. When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessica, M-E-T-C-A-L-F-E dot com. 
Thank you so much for joining us today in the first episode of season two. Remember, when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.